Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have a live recap of the NWSL 2022 draft. But first, a quick plug. MasterCard is a proud official partner of the National Women's Soccer League. The company is deeply committed to women's sports and promoting diversity on and off the field. Go to Prices.com to learn more about how MasterCard is supporting gender equity and limitless possibility for all. We're excited to get into today's episode. A quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third for breaking news. We're also on YouTube. If you are watching this live, you can give us a thumbs up and hit subscribe so that you never miss a single thing. We've got a lot to get through, Lisa. The draft was epic, chaotic. It was full of moves. It was full of selections. It was full of everything. And now we get to talk about it together. How are you doing today? I mean, it really was crazy. We we were talking a little bit about this right before we started this live, how the trade window is open. Um, and because of that, we are constantly seeing what we think is going to be a pick. And then it turns into teams trading, um, players moving around that are not even involved in, in the draft that was happening. Um, just so much movement, so many different parts. I'm glad I had like four different screens up today running as I could keep track of everything and keep my notes uh, because really that's the reality that's what you need and I also need like severe compartmentalization in my brain to really be able to keep it all straight but um I think we did a pretty good job keeping it all straight and and we'll see (laughs) that should have been like my first question for you like that should have been the real icebreaker question like how many devices did you have to utilize today to help you keep track of the draft how many beverages? How how much caffeinated coffee, yeah. water? Um, I ate like an entire bag of cheese puffs, like Cheetos cheese puffs, because they're delicious. And I love that. Treat so like my diet today was cheese puffs and coffee. It was amazing. You gotta you 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 need whatever gets you through it, and that was your choice to me. And you know what? <laughs> Those choices were correct. I I'm, not here to, I'm not here to tell you they were wrong. In fact, I'm here to tell you that they were correct. <laughs> yeah, probably. I personally probably didn't like drink enough water. Like let's just oh, no. let's just be real. But I'm trying to make up for that now, uh, and uh, excited to to get through. Uh, all of the exciting things that happened in the first round because there was a little bit of back and forth, I think, Lisa, in terms of like how was the number one pick going to shake out with that trade window opening? There's always that potential like, oh, no, is there going to be a move that happens? Is San Diego really going to find themselves on the clock (laughs) to start the draft? You know, you never you just never know with draft day. Uh, But we knew heading into the event, we knew that there were going to be four rounds with 50 overall picks uh, throughout the draft. And everybody's attention was primarily going to be on the first round. And obviously that number one overall pick to see who was going to get selected. Let's just run through these picks for now. And then we'll sort of take a little bit of a deep dive on them and see what's going on. San Diego Wave FC did stay Uh, in that first round slot at number one overall. There was a bit of back and forth of who was going to go first. It was kind of a toss-up between uh, Jalen Howell out of uh, Florida State University and Naomi Germa out of Stanford. And San Diego Wave FC ended up going defense in this one, going with Naomi Germa. In second, uh, with the second round pick, or excuse me, the second pick overall in the first round of draft racing low FC ended up going with Jalen Howell, the midfielder out of Florida state. And then North Carolina courage was on the clock with number three. They selected Emily gray 
a midfielder out of Virginia Tech. Racing Louisville was back on the clock at number four, and they went the route of midfielder with Savannah DeMello out of USC. Orlando Pride at number five selected Mia Fischel, the forward out of UCLA. North Carolina Courage also went the route of a forward, selecting Diana Ordonez at number six. At number seven, Kansas City Current went the route of forward as well, choosing Elisa Bennett out of Washington State. Number eight had a bit of a trade. We'll talk about it. O.L. Rain selecting Janit Jean, excuse me if I, you know, was incorrectly pronouncing that name. We've already been hearing that she prefers to go by Sansi, so we'll get into that pick a little bit as well. San Diego Wave FC at number nine chose Marlene Shimmer out of Grand Canyon University, first ever draftee out of there. And then we had Oral Rain once again participating in a trade with uh, Orlando Pride, who ended up uh, choosing Caitlin Cosme from Duke. So congrats to her on going to the Pride. And then Pride getting back-to-back picks, number 11, choosing forward Julie Doyle out of Santa Clara. And North Carolina Courage round at, uh, rounded out the 12th pick with Caitlin Fregulia out of uh, Long Beach State University. So there's a ton to get through here just within these 12 picks alone. And we wanted to maybe sort of take him pick by pick, maybe sort of round out things to discuss uh, the first five draft picks because there were a lot of selections that were made during the 2022 NWSL draft. But for this particular draft class, it there was sort of the perception a little bit, and these are just things that we heard and we reported on and we saw being reported on as well, that this particular draft class had a certain uh, level of talent, right, coming into play. And then maybe after mid-first round, it was going to be a real wild card about who mm-hmm. went where and got selected and how, just because of maybe the gap in, in, in the talent pool. So... Number one, overall, it ended up coming down to defense, Lisa. And I got to remind the people every single time they come here, you and I, big fans of defense. Let's talk about it. Naomi Gurma going number one. I think this is really the biggest talking point because heading into this draft, um, there's usually the top players that you know are going to go in the first five or six picks that happen. And it was really a toss up between Naomi Gurma and Jalen Howell for the number one overall pick. They were two, uh, really the biggest stands out standouts of this drafting class that came in. Um, and it really came down to what San Diego was looking to fill and the holes they were looking to fill on their roster. And I love it. They went with the defender, Naomi Gurma out of Stanford, the San Jose, California native. So that's fantastic as well. Like keeping it in the state. Um, she has a lot of youth national team experience. Um, she can play in the back line as a defender in a center back role. She can even slot into that defensive midfield six holding midfield position um, and we could see her get time there but I think for Casey Stoney and San Diego this is a, a fantastic pick in Gurma um, uh, when you look at the roster for San Diego they also have Abby Dahlkamper center back that is sliding in there which it to play alongside Gurma or even for Gurma to learn from Dahlkamper throughout her first season in the NWSL is going to be huge, huge for the growth of, of Gurma's game. Um, and out of Stanford, it's not really a surprise. Stanford gets a lot of number one picks over the year. The fourth one, fourth number one overall pick coming out of Stanford. They, they produce some fantastic soccer players. But Sandra, you actually spoke about almost the differences between Gurma and, and Jalen Howell at the opening of this draft, um, we saw you on HQ whoop, whoop. and 
Yeah. And you kind of, you said that there is a difference between these two players. Um, and it's no surprise that Jalen Howe did go number two overall to racing Louisville, the, the defender, defensive midfielder, excuse me, Jalen Howe, um, who can really play on both sides of the ball. But between these two players, were you shocked to see Germa going number one or really was it a bit of a coin toss for you? It really was a bit of a toying cost for, toss for me because I was looking at San Diego and I, there were a number of things I was thinking of. I was like, okay, A, right? Is this going to be the franchise that has the number one pick going into this draft, right? Again, because anything can happen on draft day. Were they going to trade it? Were they going to utilize that as an asset for somebody else? No, they hung on to it, right? So that was phase one. And phase two was how is Casey Stoney and, and Jill Ellis and, and Molly Down going to continue to sort of build out and flesh out this roster? They made a ton of moves alongside Angel City, right, as the two new expansion teams to, to try to get some deals going ahead of, A, the expansion draft, and B, this regular NWSL draft. And, you know, they announced players like like Kaylin Sheridan, right, in, in goal. They, they announced their first player signing was Abby Dahlkemper, right? Yeah. We had we had them come on and, and talk about it at attacking third. And then coming out of the expansion draft, choosing, you know, somebody like uh, Kristen McNabb and then uh, Kaylee Real, right? And then also making that trade for Tegan McGrady with Washington Spirit. So stacking up defenders yeah. right and then maybe having that, that 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 early trade window move with chicago that brought in more offensive attacking players and somebody like katie johnson mackenzie doniak the player rights to kelsey turnbow out of santa clara and i had a lot of we all had a lot of questions like mm-hmm. about the midfield <laughs> like what like what's going on here like where, where because Every time Casey Stoney talked about her team that she wanted to build, they wanted to be attacking minded. They wanted to keep possession of the ball. And she just kept stacking her defense on her roster. Yeah. I'm a little curious. I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love this pick because I'm I'm personally a big fan of, of Naomi Girma and the talent that she brings to the pitch. Watching her uh, playing out of Stanford, I thought she's coming off of a very successful collegiate career, in particular this most recent uh, mm-hmm. season of hers, even though it didn't end right with her raising that college cup in the end, you're talking about this player coming off of a really tough year, coming battling back from an ACL injury and then going on to make as many consecutive starts as she did. And then also really get involved in, uh, in, on the offensive side, scoring uh, four goals, I believe uh, with, with Stanford. And I think there was one even during the challenge cup or uh, college cup run, excuse me, where she got a game winner. Uh, so she's somebody who's able to connect and be able to, to contribute offensively and within the attack, whether it's through goal scoring of her own, creating chances, or even through her distribution, right. Yeah. At, at that deeper yeah, position. T- to give some credibility to what the stature rattling off, she started 67 games with Stanford leader of, of the back line. And for them, eight goals, five assists. So really contributing on both sides of the ball as a center back and yeah. two-time Pac-12 defen- defensive player of the year. Like incredible. I'm just, not, I'm just not too, like, again, I love the pick because I think the player is phenomenal. But I think that's a big, big ask of one of your rookies to come in and maybe have a conversation with them about potentially playing in the midfield. Now, those conversations haven't taken place was doing a lot on this draft day, right? You, you said I was part of the broadcast. That happened. I was helping for things on .com editorial, and I was popping my head into these post-game interviews that are uh, these post-draft selection interviews, excuse me, with these players as they got selected. And Naomi Girma Naomi, Naomi had answered a question about that and said, actually, there hasn't really been an opportunity yet to have those discussions about potentially playing higher. Right now, it's just about first reactions and, and settling in and being really excited about 
being taken number one overall. So those conversations haven't even begun or taken place. She's like, so I say, Stoney, I don't know what I'm doing yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. It's hard to say. So um, I would personally love to see Girma still stay on a defensive, uh, in a yeah. part of a team's defensive shape uh, moving forward into NW at the NWSL level. But but we'll see. But I think uh, choosing this player uh, was a good, good pick because if for whatever reason um, – they don't have plans for her in the back line. Maybe she can shock the league a little bit by playing a little bit higher, but we'll, we'll find out sooner rather than later. Let's maybe take a look at who fell to number two because we there really was a back and forth right between Girma and Howell and racing Louisville. And the number one pick chose the, the defensive midfielder out of Florida State University. This was a player that was a lot of people were, were wondering for all the same reasons we mentioned. San Diego really needs some help with the midfield. They're probably going to go with a six mm-hmm. in Jalen Howell, but that wasn't the case. But a lot of things I think that fell under the radar was that Racing Louisville also needed a lot of help in the midfield, yeah. right, Lisa? And I think this is a big, big gift for them in this first round. Racing Louisville needed help all last season in the midfield. And then over the last few days, trading away Savannah McCaskill, who was really the glue and and the playmaker of this Racing Louisville team in the midfield. So now to get a player like Jalen Howell, it's a big ask for her, but something I think Jalen Howe is fully capable of doing coming into a, a racing level team that has one year under their belt and really a year that they just learned kind of and established who they were as a club. They have a lot of good bones there, but uh, they need to build off of that. And a player like Jalen Howe can come in and actually make things happen on the pitch for a team like racing level because she does play that playmaker role of a six defender midfielder sitting in that holding position um, defensively she can break up plays like no other she'll slide tackle get right back up win the ball and then combine and look to find her forward she has a great uh, vision of the field of attack she can really control the tempo of a game and really dictate the style of play for a team so for racing Louisville this is a huge, huge get. And I think Racing Louisville is thanking San Diego for taking Germa. Not that Germa would have been a bad pick for Racing Louisville, but to for Racing Louisville to get Jalen Howe is such a, a crucial grab for Racing Louisville. You know, I, I when I look ahead to this, this number three pick, uh, North Carolina Courage going with midfielder Emily Gray, it, I think there was a little bit of suspense that took place with this particular pick because it only took two picks in the NWSL draft for a team to finally take a timeout. And it happened right at the third pick with North Carolina courage. And we still don't really know if there, what the discussions around that really was. We do know now that it wasn't for a trade or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but that's what the timeouts are for to continue possible discussions to potentially talk about trade movement, but it ended up North Carolina courage staying locked in at that third position They also just came off of a prior trade window, right? Because that trade window had opened just the night before for teams to make moves. And North Carolina Courage was part of that mix, uh, participating in a trade with Racing Louisville. And this is how they got into this uh, position a little bit to maybe sort of select this particular player, Emily Gray, out of Virginia Tech. Uh, They traded uh, Jess McDonald, so she's going to be with uh, Racing Louisville now. And there has been a lot of discussion around this Louisville side, talking about their attack. How is it going to look moving forward? Uh, There's been a lot of discussion about their back line and the fact that they needed some help there and that there were some struggles a little bit, uh, you know, in 2021 during their inaugural season. 
And I think maybe with Emily Gray, knowing that North Carolina, that they had picks further in this first round, I think maybe they wanted to ensure that they got this player and not take the risk that she was going to drop a little lower. And I, I really do like this pick from North Carolina Courage. I think it's maybe a, a, it could be considered a little bit high risk, high reward. I agree completely with that, Sandra. This was a bit of a surprise pick going number three for North Carolina. And then uh, when you look at the full picture of the courage and really what they're facing heading into the 2022 season, it's because of that that I really love this pick, Emily Gray, for them and for the system that North Carolina can play moving forward. Um, When you look at the midfield, for North Carolina, they they tend to be a powerhouse. Um, and that's another thing we have to mention. North Carolina rarely is this high in the draft picking at number three, just based on all of the success they've had over the years. We tend to see them in the third rounds later in the draft process. So to be this high, they could really have their pick of the creme de la creme of these college players or these players coming into the NWSL. Um, she she was a bit of a surprise, Emily Gray coming in, but the New Jersey native will, I think, do great things at North Carolina because she has that ability to be that attacking midfielder player, dribble at defenders 1v1, take them on, get her head up and find those slip passes in through to her forwards. Um, and, and then, of course, you look at the internationals on the North Carolina Courage roster, Dabinia, Denise O'Sullivan. There are Olympic qualifiers coming up in 2022, so there will be holes to be filled. Yeah. In this midfield unit. And that's one of the most fantastic things about this draft is knowing that these players that are being drafted are going to be asked to play minutes, significant minutes, right at the start of the 2022 season. It's a, it's a bit of a longer season, so they have time to develop these players, but I could see Emily Gray getting minutes right from the start to kind of get those game time minutes and adjust to the play of NWSL. I'm in agreement with you 100%. I think, yes, there are internationals who are going to be missing, right, for North Carolina likely in the next season coming up or so. But they also, you know, they traded away Sam Mewis. This is not a player that's part of that midfield anymore. There's uh, Nokari Ricaro, who is someone who had sought it in sort of as a death player and ended up earning those starts because of the lack of uh, of midfield uh, midfielders for, for North Carolina dur- during that 2021 stretch of season. And uh, I think getting this player is going to help bulk that up. So we'll see if if either I, either A, Emily Gray uh, mm-hmm. competes for a starting position or B is kind of coming off um, as bench that the, to start. But we we had uh, midfielders go back to back because at number four, Racing Louisville chose Savannah DeMello. And I'm a little curious. These two clubs had a lot of engagement going on back and forth them prior to the trade window. And I'm curious if maybe they were both trying to figure out which midfielder they were trying to select in these two positions because Racing Louisville went with Savannah DeMello out of USC to help bolster up their attack and their midfielder. I like this pick as well. I think this was a this was a player that was on a lot of mock drafts, right, going within the top five or at least top ten of the first round, and it was not too surprising to see uh, Louisville go out there and try to get a player like this. And remember, Racing Louisville, they had the number two overall pick, and then to go again and get the number four, so two top five picks for Racing Louisville, and frankly, they came out with gold, getting Jalen Howell, number two overall, and then Savannah DeMello. This is a player, another midfielder player, similar to Howell, but plays higher up the field and is definitely more of an attacking threat. And and one of the funniest stories, Sandra, is that Jalen Howe and Savannah DeMello, they know each other. They're, they're good friends. They were tweeting back and forth at each other. They've played together on youth national teams um, and now heading to the same team in racing Louisville. Uh, but 
DeMello, she's a player that can can play in the midfield as a 10 striker. I could even see her being pushed higher up the field, uh, maybe not as a number nine, but if you send her out on the flanks, she could send crosses in. She's really, really good in possession with the ball at her feet, dribbling at defenders um, and, and breaking lines. So because of that, I would love to see her in a diamond midfield in Racing Louisville at the top of that point diamond as that number 10 with Jalen Howell as the six. It's a young squad. We got Emily Fox out on the flank. Like I'm so here for it, Sandra. I am so here for this racing mobile team in 2022. This is why I love draft days. It's got, it's got people like Lisa backseat coaching. I love it. Hit me with it. I love to talk about it. I can't not do it. When I look at the skill that these players are bringing to clubs that really need it. And, and when you look at a team like racing Louisville, their bar isn't that high. Like the bar that they've set for themselves. That's not unfair. That's not unfair to say. It's it's just like, let's go into the 2022 season and see what we can do. See what pressure we can apply onto our opponents. And right now, Racing Louisville has got some pretty good pressure going up against uh, their opponents in 2022. Absolutely. Let's take a look at this uh, this fifth pick. We wanted to talk about the top five here of this, this first round and sort of how things shook out. And I was a little bit surprised at this one. I'm not, I'm not going to front, but it almost feels like this pick was fate, right? It was almost destined to be this way because Orlando Pride got on the clock with the fifth selection overall, and they ended up choosing forward Mia official out of UCLA. And it was, and already all of the storylines were spinning around about it. And in the, in the best of ways, uh, Orlando Pride and announcing their head coach, uh, their head coaching hire in Amanda Cromwell, who was formerly the coach at UCLA. Lots of discussion about a new era, potentially for this Orlando Pride side, that they want to try to, you know, um, try to build out a new culture for this team, try to not even retool, but definitely try to rebuild. And this is sort of a word that's been thrown around with this franchise for a couple of seasons now. Uh, But they've in between some of their own uh, head coaching chains alongside players coming and going. But it just sort of felt that with these two particular individuals potentially reconnecting at Orlando, that something special could be here. And you know who was really excited about it. Sydney LaRue, the forward of, uh, <laughs> of Orlando Pride, who was also a UCLA alum as well. So you had the veteran immediately welcoming and, and excited about this young forward coming uh, out of her junior year from UCLA to Orlando Pride. I thought it was a great selection and honestly, a great bit of luck and fate for her to fall to number five to Orlando. It's, it really is the luck of the draw there and Orlando lucking out and um, the official lucking out because Amanda Cromwell, new head coach for Orlando Pride, former coach at UCLA, knows Fischel very, very well. And for Amanda Cromwell, a brand new coach in the league at Orlando Pride, coming into a team that does need to rebuild, like you mentioned, Sandra, um, she needs players that understand her, that she understands how they play, that it can be quick, hit the ground running as soon as she gets uh, the play into training camp, they are on the same page. And by drafting someone that you previously coached in college, hey, that's the best way to do it. You know each other very well. Um, Amanda Cromwell most likely recruited Fischel from way back when. So now to get her in um, is huge. She is a junior, though. So she opted to go early. You love to see that. It's those players that um, when they know they're ready and they have that confidence to say, I don't need another year in the collegiate game. I'm ready for the NWSL. I'm ready to make an impact. And and we talked about this in our preview a lot. There are players that 
maybe don't have that availability to understand that. And with the COVID year and getting another year of eligibility at the NCAA, it's really a toss up as to when these players were going to join the NWSL. Um, But uh, for Orlando Pride, getting this pick in number five overall, this is really huge because it's a forward for Orlando Pride. Orlando needs to score goals. They've got to rebuild. They're definitely missing holes in, in the back line defensively, but that will come with time. You also have to score goals up front, and this is a player that can do that for Orlando. It's an exciting time. I mean, I, I love it. I love going through the first five picks of this. I feel like this would be probably just as long of an episode if we decided to treat it as a fully true draft length type of episode. So uh, we're, we're not going to do that for now, but we will come back after a quick pause to talk a little bit about some things that stood out in the second round for us and maybe a player here or there that was a big surprise or a big pickup for us right after a quick pause. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We're doing our NWSL 2022 draft recap. Uh, We are here to tell you that MasterCard is a proud official partner of the National Women's Soccer League. Together with the NWSL, MasterCard is creating priceless opportunities for both the stars of today, like MasterCard Global Brand Ambassador Crystal Dunn and the stars of the future who were drafted today. MasterCard is deeply committed to women's sports and promoting diversity on and off the field with investment spanning players, teams, and competitions around the world. To learn more about how MasterCard is supporting gender equity and limitless possibilities for all, visit Priceless.com. And that's what we had some the future leaders that were being drafted today, Sandra. We hit the top five, and, and there's still a lot more that we have to discuss going into this. Yeah, it really was. It feels like that rings that pulled the whole concept of like priceless and priceless moments like like really does ring true probably like on days like this. I mean, you saw throughout the entire broadcast on CBS sports platforms, all the excitement that was sort of coming from these players being selected, you know, giving the opportunity for a shot uh, the chance to go pro for the first time in their soccer playing careers. So it was, uh, it was quite the time. Uh, but uh, let's take a look at maybe uh, big surprise picks or, or yeah. we can keep going with what we thought were biggest picks for, for players. Uh, we, we did maybe want to touch on uh, some of the, some of the first round that we didn't touch on in that first part. Uh, Alisa, what's, what's a surprise pick for you maybe here coming out of this first round? I mean, some that we already touched on Emily Gray going number three overall to North Carolina, uh, out of Virginia Tech, not necessarily a true sleeper, I'm going to say, but I was a little surprised she went this high. We already touched on her. So I am going to give some love to another player going number eight overall to OL Reign. Um, the first surprise that I have for this is that Laura Harvey has been known to trade out of the drafts and she doesn't trade out of her first pick and she goes for a pick. So that was my first surprise. <laughs> we we heard Marissa Pilla talking on that. She said 14 times over Laura Harvey's last eight coaches years, uh, Laura Harvey has traded out of the draft. We did see it later in the draft, but because of that, um, this has to be one of my surprise picks. And then uh, not just because of that, but also um, a player, a forward, uh, Zansi Kajan out of St. John's University in the Big East Conference. Always got to give some love there. Um, But she's an international player. She comes from Budapest, Hungary. And because of that, going so high, eight overall in the draft, says a lot about the skill and the talent that this type of player has um for Laura Harvey, especially when you look at her roster that she has at OL Reign, she has a lot of big impact players. Rose Lavelle, Jess Fishlock, Megan Rapino, Megan Rapino, um, players that 
are going to make an immediate impact and and keep OL Reign at the top of the table right when 2022 gets started and the season is underway. So because of that, Laura Harvey can look at players that um, have have great bones and have great skill sets that are just ready to be a sponge and absorb. Because when you throw a player like uh, Kajan into the mix at OL Reign and she is ready, ready and willing to learn from incredible players, other inter- international players like Jess Fishlock, that also helps fit into the mold of OL Reign. Um, but uh, Kajan is a left-footed player. She can play with both feet, but having her on the left flank is just incredible. She can score a lot of goals. That's what she did for St. John's. She's just a goal-scoring machine, and and that's what OL Reign needs. And if you can throw that onto the pitch, um, even if she just gets the last 15 minutes of a game, this is a player that can create sparks for a team. Um, so I really loved this pick. It was my surprise pick that I really saw in the first round. Well, first, because Laura Harvey actually drafted the the real surprise was just that she she made a pick in the first round (laughs) i mean that has to be part of it when you as history goes but it's a great pick for ol rain frankly great soccer iq uh great decision making her selection and she can score goals creativity in the front line when you throw a mix of all the other players on the ol rain roster this is a recipe for success yeah i'm gonna say that i think for one of my biggest uh Picks. I think maybe I'll just say that it's my biggest winner. I think North Carolina Courage is walking out of this draft day and of this first round specifically as as winners of the draft. I really like how they sort of mapped out and played out and made their selections to sort of go ahead and target each of the areas that they really needed to help bolster, which was really kind of each single line. And popping again, popping my head into the media availability, you had head coach uh, Sarnahas talk about that a little bit, and he actually took a question and said that I don't like the the word rebuild, and maybe it's a, a real little a, a more like a retooling and sort of just a tightening up some things here and there uh, because each of the players – that are going to be involved potentially in these preseasons with North Carolina Courage each have the opportunity to make an impact. And I think they really solidified that with that number six pick overall when they ended up choosing Diana Ordonez out of UVA. A big, big pick. Maybe people thought that she would fall, and she did. But I'm not too mm-hmm. surprised to see her go within the first round, even within the top 10 of the first 12 picks, uh, because this was a player, again, one of these players we were talking about, similarly to me, official sort of going uh, going pro early and coming off of a really, really solid collegiate junior year with uh, UVA as well. Somebody who has absolutely racked up some records. You're talking, I think she had like eight or something uh, or so type of game winning type of goals Mm -hmm. uh, to go along with the 18 that she scored throughout the season. So, I mean, she is going into the NWSL red hot. I think it was a massive pickup for the courage. And I think after they made that pick to sort of kind of close out uh, the middle of their the middle of their first round and then to sort of pick up a defender to close out their first round completely. They went midfielder forward and defender. I was like, they, they won, they, they they won, they won their draft. So I think there was a, a real big uh, success there. And I think, I think maybe a little bit of a surprise pick for, for me could be the the current pick in in, in Elise Bennett. I'm not too sure if folks saw uh, Elise Bennett going as high as she did for Kansas city coming out of, uh, Washington State, uh, and I think that it, maybe it, it caught people off a little bit. Uh, but I think one of the biggest things that was sticking out for for that particular player that 
they noticed how tall she was, and they said that this is a this is a forward <laughs> who's who's going to be clearly a sort of a central target, perhaps for for the current moving forward. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of different areas where you could sort of look at and say like, oh, who were who was the biggest uh, biggest winners, and then maybe who wore some of the the biggest surprises. I mean, maybe another not so much su- surprise, but maybe um, just to sort of give an overview of the draft is is another angle that came into this is that there were a few teams that didn't have a single selection until deep into the yeah. into the second rounds, right? Lisa, uh, Portland Thorns not getting on the clock and Chicago Red Stars not getting on the clock until the second round even started. Yeah, that was uh, not totally surprising knowing how well both of these teams did um, in the 2021 season. Um, but uh, Sandra, I want to touch on the fact that you mentioned North Carolina being the winners of this. I agree. They, they did a great job picked it, picking who they wanted and who really works well for them. It was almost like they put on their horse blinders and whoever they needed, they weren't caring what other teams were going to pick. They needed what they needed for their team. And that's exactly what they did. And I think that kind of goes to show with picking Emily Gray third overall for North Carolina. That's the type of player they needed. Why are they going to wait and sleep on her? Grab her while you can before any other teams do. Um, But yes, teams like Portland Thorns, Chicago Red Stars, not getting picks in the first round. But Portland Thorns starting off round two of the NWSL draft. They had the 13th overall pick. They went with a a forward in Sydney Nicello. She's out of... And so Florida, she is a Florida native as well. Now going literally diagonally across the country to Portland Thorns. Um, and when you look at a team like Portland Thorns, they are now without Mark Parsons. Uh, he he is gone from his empire at Portland Thorns. But Portland Thorns is still a club that is dynamite club that they know how to win. They know how to develop players. Um, they have a good system going for them with Rain Wilkinson and then Karina LeBlanc stepping in as GM. Um, but this is a, a good pick for Portland Thorns going with a forward because remember, they just lost Simone Charlie and Tyler Lucy, uh, two players that can score goals and be big threats up top for the Thorns. Still have Morgan Weaver getting in there though. Um, but I, I do like this pick from Portland Thorns. And then Sandra, your Chicago Red Stars, they did not have a pick until later in this draft, late deep into the second round. And then they went back to back <laughs> yeah there was two picks back to back for chicago and and it was there were jokes uh flying about it because it, it i think my initial reaction was like oh that's right it's like when it's it, it's a part of of the draft where chicago red stars when they make any type of draft selections it's a moment for mid schools in the midwest <laughs> to really kind of shine a little bit yeah. get a little bit of light shed on them but they ended up going with Ava Cook out of Michigan State and midfielder uh Sammy Fisher out of uh Notre Dame so you're talking about Michigan right Indiana for for for, uh, for for Notre Dame and it, it wasn't too too shocking and I know even deeper into their round uh they ended up going with a uh, Sarah Griffith out of uh, Purdue, so a boilermaker for them, and also a Chicagoland native uh, deep into the third round or so. So uh, not too shocking, right? It, it's sort of funny how it's like we're looking at this draft and how things have maybe changed a little bit. Like, oh, Laura Harvey picking in the first round of a draft, but then some things actually kind of stay the same. And unshockingly, the Chicago Red Stars stood in the Midwest and also with a Chicagoland area kid. So and, it's and funny for, how some things are different and some stay the same. And for Chicago, Chicagoians and Midwesterners, <laughs> they're all drivable, but these are very drivable. Michigan State, Notre Dame, Indiana, these are super drivable. Even for a, a Philadelphia East Coast gal like me, I could drive that. It's not like 10 hours. Like you 
crazy Midwesterners do sometimes. As long as it's single digits, if you're a Midwesterner, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a doable drive. Eight hours? It's nothing. That's, yeah. That's how, that's, that's how it goes. That's uh, that's usually the perspective in that. But uh, I think maybe to close things out, Lisa, what we really have to talk about a little bit, and this was teased during the draft broadcast, is that there is a schedule framework in place for 2022. And that is what we are going to close out on here. A little bit of a look ahead. February 1st is when players have to report to markets as training camps open. The Challenge Cup will return as a preseason tournament from March 19th through May 7th. It is going to be a 22-game regular season. So two games locked off there. Uh, it was 24 for 2021, but in 2022, it's going to be two, 22 game regular season. There will still be six teams in the playoffs again with the top two seeds earning a playoff bye to the semifinal. And the NWSL championship is slated to take place on the weekend of October 28th through the 30th. So we're making a return to Halloween spooky vibes for the okay. NWSL championship weekend. Heck yeah. And we have two new teams coming in, of course, San Diego and Angel City. So we're going to have a lot of NWSL after dark action happening, some late night games for those on the East Coast. But um, this is so fantastic that we are getting this news. It came in between the first and the second rounds, um, which was just a little treat for all of us watching that we now have more information on what is to come in 2022 at the six week training camp that gets going, uh, the third annual NWSL Challenge Cup, which we knew that was wasn't going anywhere, but um, group play four groups of four teams because now there's 12 in the NWSL. And because of the two team club additions in San Diego and Angel City, uh, we knew that the schedule was going to have to change a little bit because with 12 teams, you can't keep playing at least 24 games. So I love to see that it has been shortened a little bit and it's not as demanding as it has been in years past. I mean, this is the first time we're seeing a balanced schedule from the NWSL. So 22 game regular season. So 132 games, um, you can watch them all on Paramount Plus here at CBS. <laughs> but, but, it, that but it is the first balanced schedule. So teams now, it's not like um, they're traveling on the road for more than half of their season. 14 home games, 14 away, six teams in the playoffs, and then NWSL championship weekend. We already have that on lock. Uh, but this means, I mean, looking at the playoff schedule and how it really shook out for teams in 2021 the first tiebreaker was head-to-head there's no well there can be head-to-head now but it can be a lot more split uh with just playing against a team at once at home and once away so if you the head-to-head could be a little bit different there we could see a lot more tiebreakers heading into the end of the 2022 season um but i love that we got all of this information out good to see the challenge cup is coming back and love to see the balanced schedule those are the things that stood out to me first yeah absolutely i i i'm going to be selfish to say that i like that it's actually ending in october versus november uh it's going to be nice to see that especially when we're when we're talking about how the playoffs are expanded now. So now there's a quarterfinal series, there's a semifinal series, and then there's an NWSL uh, championship final to be played. So, you know, just going off of assumptions, right. And how those things were timed uh, there for 2021, Obviously, there was the quarterfinal that took place early in that first weekend of November. The second weekend of November was a semifinal. And then at the uh, third week of November was the championship final. So I'm assumptions, right, is that that's going to mirror in October. Mm -hmm. 
So potentially the end of the regular season uh, coming down to perhaps that final week of September, maybe early October, right? Well, we'll see once some more details uh, roll out for the schedule. And I'm sure we're all anticipating that as we always do. But 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 I loved it. I liked seeing the framework in place. And I'm uh, in agreement with you with the two new teams coming into play. Having the 22 game season, I think, is going to be beneficial to everybody involved. And, uh, you know, as more details come out about that, we're going to continue to go ahead and keep everybody uh, updated. But that's all we got, Lisa. I want to thank everybody for listening and joining along with us. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. If you leave us a five-star review on Spotify, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, with a question, Lisa and I will answer it as part of our mailbag segment. So if there is a particular player that you did not hear us talk about, guess what? Go leave us a five-star review and we will talk about it on the mailbag segment. Lisa and I are also available as video. You can subscribe to Attacking Third on youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And we'll be back on Monday with a special interview episode and more. So stay tuned for that coming up. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.